0: Wake up. It's time for Transformation Radio.
1: Now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 50. Here's a brief overview of what we'll be reading about today. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain to show them who he really was, not merely a great prophet, but God's own son. Moses, representing the law, and Elijah, representing the prophets, appeared with Jesus. Then God's voice singled out Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah who possessed divine authority. Jesus would fulfill both the law and the prophets. Now when Peter suggested making three shelters, he may have been thinking of the festival of shelters, uh, where shelters were set up to commemorate the Exodus, God's deliverance of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Peter wanted to keep Moses and Elijah with them, but this was not what God wanted Peter's desire to build memorials for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah may also show his understanding that real faith is built on three cornerstones, the Law, the Prophets, and Jesus. But Peter grew in his understanding, and eventually he would write of Jesus as the cornerstone of the church. As God's son, Jesus had God's power and authority. Thus, his words should be our final authority. If a person's teaching is true, it will agree with Jesus' teachings. Don't be hasty to seek advice and guidance from merely human sources, and thereby neglect Christ's message. Test everything you hear against Jesus' words, and you will not be led astray. If we believe He is God's Son, then we surely will want to do what He says. We want to follow Him. Peter, James, and John experienced a wonderful moment on that mountain, and they probably didn't want to leave. Sometimes... We, too, have such an inspiring experience that we want to stay where we are, away from the reality and problems of our daily life. Knowing the struggles await us in the valley encourages us to linger on the mountaintop. Yet, staying on the top of a mountain prohibits our ministering to others. Instead of becoming spiritual giants, we would soon become dwarfed by our own self-centeredness. We need times of retreat and renewal, but only so we can return to minister to the world. Our faith must make sense off the mountain as well as on it. Now, the disciples didn't understand Jesus' words about his death. See, they still thought of Jesus as only an earthly king, and they were concerned about their places in the kingdom he would set up. So they ignored Jesus' words about his death and began arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Now with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. April 1st, the New Testament, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 50. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, "'Master!' It's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, Bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 28. Here is a commentary of what we're going to be reading about momentarily. Two strong themes wind their way through these verses. Number one, the wicked prosper, leaving godly people wondering why they bother to be good. And number two... The wealth of the wicked looks so inviting that faithful people may wish they could trade places. But these two themes come to unexpected ends for the wealth of the wicked suddenly loses its power at death and the rewards for the godly suddenly take on eternal value. What seemed like wealth is now waste and what seemed worthless now lasts forever. Don't wish you could trade places with evil people to get their wealth. One day, they will wish they could trade places with you and have your eternal wealth. Well, Asaph realized that the rich who put their hope, joy, and confidence in their wealth live in a dream world. You know, A dream exists only in the mind of the dreamer. Don't let your life's goals be so unreal that you awaken too late and miss the reality of God's truth. Happiness and hope can be a reality, but only when they're based on God, not on riches. Because reality is in God, we should get as close to Him as we can in order to be realistic about our life. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 28, a psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud. When I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil in their pride they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, They are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. The godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel.
0: we
2: simply staggering that God would ordain, now get this that God, the sovereign ruler of the universe, would ordain that prayers cause things they do prayer, prayers cause things to happen that would not happen if you didn't pray I wonder if any Calvinists out there squirming. Listen to this. When James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask, that does not mean you would have anyway, even if you didn't ask, because I got a plan. The verse doesn't mean the opposite of what it says. It says, you have not because you ask not. That means prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if you didn't pray. This is why this is a staggeringly glorious privilege. To be taken by the sovereign God of the universe who runs all things according to His infinite wisdom and folded into in to His causality. This is breathtaking. If you do not avail yourself of the privilege of bringing to pass events in the universe, that would not take place if you didn't pray you are acting like a colossal fool. Aren't you? I'm just thinking logically here. If you are offered the privilege of engaging with God in such a way that your request could bring into being things that would not otherwise come into being not to avail yourself of that privilege is folly of the highest or lowest order. That's why we pray. God is beckoning us into our share in the running of the universe. Do you not know that you will judge angels? Do you know who you are, child of God?
0: side